Baby, you ready? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, cool. <laughs> so let's get started. Uh, this is the Four Starters Podcast. This is week six of the NFL, but today we're going to do a little something different. We're going to start a little something, uh, you know, differently than before. We've got uh, Wifey here with us today. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. By popular demand, my hat. Uh, it is the most listened uh, episode that we have out there, so I figured, why not bring her back? Of course. So, we'll start differently today. Yes, Let, we are. Uh, I'm going to start it off this week. Do it. Is that okay? All That's right. Fine. So, we watched the Berlanga and Bello fight. This was one amazing fight, although it was not the main card um, to watch that night. Berlanga actually beat Bello in one minute in 19 seconds, 79 seconds. So he is now 15-0, which even more importantly to me is that he is all first round knockouts. He has not lost to anyone. What do you think about that? What do you think about the fight? Honestly, it uh, it felt more like a UFC match rather than a boxing Ooh. match. This is no, in, in no way, shape, or form disrespect to the fighter, right? Because he said it. He's a he's a puncher. I mean, all boxers are punchers, but there are more that box rather than just straight punch. And um, why not go for the knockout? You see, your guy has been rocked. Why not finish the fight with less than you know minute and a half left to go? Uh, or two minutes left to go, or whatever the case may be. Why not end it and maintain your perfect 15-0 and record with 15 knockouts? And most importantly, this cat's not even 25 yet. He, I think he's like, what, 19, 20? I think he's more like 23, but I can I can find that out. For sure. And, and check this out. He's caught the attention of Mike Tyson. So Mike Tyson is keeping an eye on him. But I do want to say this. We still have to see him go past that first round. Because also, going past that first round was what kind of cemented Mike Tyson's uh, career as well. Once he got knocked out by uh, uh, Buster Only back in the day. Way, way back in the day. Yeah, but that is what's going to be interesting to watch. He is now, for me, someone to watch. Not only because he is 23 years old. Um, actually, born in May, like you, um, in 97. But he's from Puerto Rico. Um, but he is a Bronx fighter, I believe. He is located here in the Bronx, so he's. But he represents uh, Puerto Rico as well. As well, but I think he's going to be someone interesting to watch, mainly because I'm interested in seeing how many more first round knockouts he can get when he does make it past that first round. How he actually fights, and most importantly, if somebody actually beats him, I want to see that fighter. I want to see that fight that he actually gets beat in because I think that's going to be an extra, a very interesting fight so just something to watch out for anything else you want to say about that fight before I move on yeah he seems really hungry and uh what I think was most the most awesome part about that fight is the end where he ends up doing push-ups because his trainer made him do push-ups due to the fact that he did not follow certain strategies that his trainer put out to for him to to uh, establish or should I say implement into the fight and uh, so that was kind of cool, right? He's still hungry. He's still humble. He's still listening to his trainer, which in my mind, that's the first thing that you have to be able to do besides, you know, throwing hands and defending yourself. You have to listen to your trainer. Otherwise, it's going to be a very long night for you. Yeah, he said he was supposed to be doing a combination of things. 
Um, he didn't do any of it in the fight. And so he had to do his push-ups. You know, one interesting thing about his interviews afterwards, though, was that everybody was expecting him to attempt to get more rounds in because he's trying to get more rounds in and actually go past that first round. But what um, Berlanga actually said was that that first hit that he got on Bellows, he could see in Bellows' eyes, his words, not mine, that Bellows didn't want to be in that ring, so why not just take him out? Which was okay, if you say so. I mean, yeah, looking at how the men punch, I wouldn't want to be in that ring either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anything else on that one? No, that's okay. all I got. So now, I didn't watch the main card. I didn't. So I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about um, the Lopez and Lomachenko. Uh, go ahead and say it. Lomachenko. Yeah, that one. So Lomachenko versus Lopez, right? This fight had a lot of hype, a lot of uh, bad blood between fighters. A lot of talk. A lot of going back and forth, which, you know, I get it. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to sell the fight. Lomachenko comes in as the heavy favorite yeah, due to the fact that he's older, more experienced, has had more fights under his belt than Lopez has. Lopez is only 22 years old, mind you. And this this man, Lomachenko, put all four belts on the line and said, okay, you beat me, you get all four of them. So the fight starts, right? And I'm sitting there going, okay, so Loma usually sizes his fighters up during the first, second round. And uh, then after that, he starts going in, right? He starts working. He's a boxer. He moves. He has excellent footwork. His Obviously, he's a lightweight. So you're going to be able to see a, a possible... 12 12 round fight and um i don't see loma react as i normally would um and unfortunately he ended up paying the price because he waited too late and tilfimo at that point in time was just already winning round after round after round after round even though andre ward one of the commentators had a tight in that fight a tight uh, scorecard in that fight i felt that Lopez pretty much dominated that fight and took it took the fight to Lomachenko instead of waiting for Lomachenko to attack him he said you know what no let me go ahead and get in there get my shots in start scoring my points and you know obviously if you look at both of their faces they they tell a very a two very different tales because Lopez's face is completely was completely bruised up eyes swollen a little bit and Lomas was not but if you also look at the body uh, body punches that were thrown by by, uh, by Lopez, it, it's a whole different ballgame, right? So, is it too early to call a rematch? I think so, uh, because this fight took a long time to get to, to, to be able to make possible, including with the COVID-19 situation and everything going on, having to prepare the fight bubble that they call in Las Vegas. Uh, and so, of course, that was a uh, that was a great fight. I thought, I thought the the best part of it all is that it was free. We didn't have to pay for it. It was it was on ESPN. So that's awesome. I think that's a good. It's a good thing. It's good for the sport, right? Um, a lot of people are saying that boxing is dead. Boxing is going away. This and that and the other. No, it, it's really not. If you start looking in and you start digging in for fights then at the, at some point or another at one point or another you're going to fight a, you're going to find a very interesting fight just because the names are not you know uh Mayweather or Pacquiao or 
whomever, right? Whoever is a big fighter right now doesn't mean that you're not going to find fights. Um, I mean, there are fights out there. You just got to look for them. And that's what we're here to do, to make sure that you're informed and that you get the good stuff. Okay. So you think it's too early to talk rematch because of COVID and things like that, but don't you think he's going to be coming back for his belts? He's going to be wanting his belts back. He, he just basically handed over all of his belts to a 22 year old that does, that's not as experienced as him. You don't think he's going to immediately say, uh, uh-uh, uh, let me, let's do this rematch. Um, I think he has to be able, Lomachenko's hand, I have to be able to sort of process the loss. Uh, psychologically, this as a, you know, 30 plus some year old man. Uh, I'm not sure if he's 36 or 37. He's on the heavy side of 30. Um, and to, to see a 22 year old beat you in at your game, basically taking a fight to you, sizing you up, you know, hitting you, all this good stuff, putting you against the ropes at, at some point, um, it's kind of tough, right, to be able to, to do that. A, a fighter's possibly best weapon is his confidence right um because if you have no confidence you go into the ring already thinking that you're going to lose that messes up with your psyche and not only that you also have to look at how your camp went was it a good camp did you come out of there you know healthy did you did did you follow a you know a precise diet um is your are your trainers aka your dad showing you things that you know you're not used to seeing or or like what's going on there right they have to think about a lot of things um there are other fights where you can say yes let's go ahead and get the let's get the rematch going and possibly make it a a, you know a three a three fight you know um a three-part fight right but um at this point in time i think it's too early Teofimo seems eager, and he wants to definitely run him back, from what I understand. Um, but, you know, I think at that point in time, you're going to have to say, okay, let's put it in pay-per-view, and let's get a bigger purse for both of us, and let's wait to be able to go ahead and put, say, butts in seats and get more money out of that, as opposed to just an ESPN contract just because we want money, right? They, You may want to go ahead and wait for the longer, longer shot, rather than the immediate uh, compensation. Okay. Well, just because I said that I would, um, Lomo is actually only 32 years old. He's not on the other side of 30, closer to 40. Does that change your mind at all? It still does. It still does because you still have 10 years over this cat, right? 10 years on this earth that made you make you wiser and possibly even stronger than you know a 22-year-old. Again, this is nothing against 22-year-olds in any way, shape, or form. But just when you're a grown man, you have grown men strength and grown men experience. It's very different as, as if you would have a 20, you know, 22-year-old experience. It's not the same. And I think, once again, he came in here very heavily favorited. I almost want to say he thought he was going to automatically win this round. Just because in the uh, post-fight interviews, he was saying that he felt as though he did everything in the end to be able to win the judges over. But Loma, this is not just a three, four, five, six round fight. This is a 12 round fight. You have to be able to perform 
accordingly for 12 rounds, not just the last four. All right. It's just for me. I mean, we're, we're going to go ahead and move on after this. I just For me, it just sounds like you're saying because he's a little bit older that he's just going to almost retire. But I don't think that that's like in them to just say, oh, because a 22-year-old came in and beat me and I'm 32, I'm going to retire or I'm going to just let this go. I think he has, you know, if they're prideful, which I find a lot of boxers are very prideful, then they're going to at least try one more time. And they're going to, you know, do what they have to do to try to, you know, rewatch the, the, the fight, learn from his mistakes, and come back and get his, his belts back. If Lopez is willing, you know, to even take the fight. That's just my thought. I have one more question on boxing, and then we'll move on. But, um, so, because you watched both. Mm -hmm. One, of course, went all 12 rounds and had to go to the judges. One was a complete knockout um, in the first round. Which one did you actually watch? Which one did you enjoy watching more? Man, it's called the sweet science for a reason, right? Hit and don't get hit. Um, I think I want to say the second one just a little bit more than the first one because the which first the, one, of course, which is the Lopez fight, right? The Lopez Lomachenko fight. I enjoyed the little a little bit more just due to the fact that. It had more action. There was more exchange of punches back and forth. And the first one was still great uh, just because of the suspense of, is he going to do it? Is he going to take it 15, you know, 15 knockouts in a row? And he did. And it was awesome. Again, the best thing about that fight was the fact that the kid got down and gave his coach seven right there on the spot. He started pushing the ground because he didn't fight. He didn't follow some of the uh, fight plans. So, yeah, it was great. Again, Lomachenko versus Lopez was the main card for a reason. And we got our money's worth. Well, we didn't have to pay for it, but you got your time's worth. Time's for sure. Money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, moving on along, we're going to now talk about football. We will start out with New England. How do you take their loss? Man, I take it with a grain of salt. Um, the reason being is because Cam Newton is just now coming back from... Uh, COVID-19 protocol, which I believe he he had to step away from the facility and his team altogether, quarantined for, I believe, over 10 days. I think that's what it was. He wasn't able to practice, obviously unable to, you know, build out rapport with his receivers and unable to, you know, maintain a rhythm um, on the field during the game, which, you know, it is absolutely paramount if you're if you're a if you're a quarterback right especially a quarterback for the New England Patriots which we have to remember he tested positive for COVID and the best ability that you have in this in this league is availability these are Jerry Jones and NFL owners words it's not mine right so does can this affect his possible next year contract or contract extension it can possibly affect them but is it time to freak out right now just because they got their two and two no i don't think so i think one thing that new england is really good at doing is identifying weak spots and those weak weak spots become their strengths so no i don't think it's uh i don't think it's anything major i mean they played in denver which is kind of difficult to play in their their mile high stadium it's called mile high for a reason so so yeah no 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 not uh taking it with a grain of salt 
it's no big deal. They lost eighteen to twelve to the to the page to the Broncos. So yeah, not not really worried. Okay. So going on to the Houston and Tennessee game. Did Houston lose to Tennessee? Or did Tennessee beat the Texans or Houston? Tennessee beat the Texans. Uh, Titans beat the Texans, period. Um, obviously, the keys to this game were the fact that Derrick Henry ran it for 22 carries with two touchdowns. He had a ridiculous 94-yard winning uh, run with a total of, he's leading right now the NFL with 588 yards. This man is definitely going to break the 1,500-yard mark by the end of the season. Uh, Ryan Tannehill still showing us he's still the man. He was wheeling and dealing out there through four touchdowns. What lost the game to the Texans this time around was the fact that they decided to go for it, uh, go for two points after the score and completely failed to convert that. And unfortunately, that came back and bit them in the butt. If you give the Titans just a little bit of light, they're going to come back and beat you. They beat the Texans in overtime 42 to 36, I believe, was the score. Houston is now 1-5, and five, and Tennessee is 5-0, and oh, undefeated. Haven't lost. So, yeah, that's those are my takes on that particular game. Okay. Um, so we're going to just keep going right along. We have a lot of games to cover. So is um, would, you, would you say that the Colts would be a team to fear? No, I would think so. Cincinnati Bengals went into this game, uh, I believe, one and one, three and one, one win, three losses, one tie. At one point or another, or actually before the end of the first half, the Cincinnati Bengals were taking it to the Colts, twenty-one to nothing. The the Colts ended up beating the Bengals, thirty-one to twenty-seven. But what does that tell me? They can come back. They can come back, but. What if you build a twenty-one nothing lead? If you're not the Bengals, yeah, let's say the Patriots do that to you, you ain't coming back. If the Kansas City Chiefs do that to you, you're not coming back. If the Bills do that to you, it's gonna be very hard for you to come back. Same thing with Tampa. Tampa has an ex- outstanding defense. We're gonna get to them in a bit. Not but, Tampa, but I was thinking about the Cardinals, but we'll get to them too. <laughs> At any rate, um, so obviously the Colts made halftime adjustments. Cincinnati got a little too comfortable, let the guard down, and just lost the game, basically. Um, at this point, John Ross III, which uh, was a former or is a former first-round draft pick, ninth overall, has requested a trade away from Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. Yeah. Already ready to run ship uh, or jump ship. Uh, they were talking about AJ, being, AJ Green being traded. As soon as those talks came about, AJ Green decided to come out and play. <laughs> and he had a, actually himself a game, excuse me, last uh, or this past week. So, I mean, Cincinnati Bengals are still very young. They still have, they just got a new head coach. So, hopefully with the stud of a quarterback that they have, they're able to go ahead and, you know, get some wins together. Um, but, like I said, it's it's still not their time yet. All right. ATL finally came in, showed out. They finally won a game. ATL Georgia. 
Yeah, so them dirty birds, did you think that the um, actual changing of the coach was the key, or did the players just actually come to play this time? I think once the – if you if you work for a company, right, and all of a sudden you see uh, Johnny over there getting fired, and then you see uh, Charlie over there getting fired, and you see uh, the manager over there about to get fired, man, everybody jumps on their P's and Q's. Right. Right? All of a sudden, coaching changes, players' attitude change. Oh, man, we better win a game before we get traded, waived, or fired. Right? So, yeah, I think that uh, it sent a message all across the organization. Mr. Arthur Blank sent a message and said, okay, if you're not here to win, then you don't belong here. We're going to do what's called a uh, a promotion what do you what do you used to say? A promotion away from this job, right? Promotion to customer, right? A promotion to customer. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy your ticket just like everybody does. You can get no more free uh no more free games. But anyway, Matt Ryan found a absolute rhythm. Thirty for forty, uh, thirty out of forty. Excuse me, three hundred and seventy one yards, four touchdown. On the other side, man, Kirk Cousins, this guy, I mean, somebody should call the police on this guy because he robbed the Vikings with that max contract. Three interceptions. Three interceptions. And we all know Atlanta can capitalize off of turnovers. Talk to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Vikings defense just could not stop Julio Jones, who had eight receptions, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. What it basically came down to is Atlanta had too many explosive plays. Three, to be exact. And that's usually all you need. 20, uh, 20 or more yards per, 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 per play, it's an explosive play. And that's really all you need in order to bring down your defense. And then the defensive morale, unfortunately, declines at that point. Players stop trying. They feel like they can't stop you. And forget it. I mean, everything goes downhill from there. And, of course, Atlanta comes out. Not winning, but winning with authority, forty to twenty-three. Okay. They're now one and five, and uh, Minnesota. I'm not sure what they are, but it's not good. I can tell you that. I got notes today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear that, <laughs> paper wrestling. All right. Well, speaking of um, teams that have finally won their first game, what do you think about the Giants beating Washington? NFC East is a dumpster fire. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Look at this. Washington is 1-5. And, and so are the New York Giants. 1-5 currently. Because they beat <laughs> the Washington football team. Um, not a whole lot to talk about. Just going to say this. Giants have placed completely all their faith in Daniel Jones. Uh, Devontae Freeman, who recently joined the team after Saquon Barkley, their starting running back, went down. Has been doing fairly well. Um, it wasn't a pretty game, but at the end of the day, pretty is not what gets you wins. Is winning the game that gets you the win. No matter how bad or how good the win may be, it doesn't matter. Just win, baby, like Al Davis used to say. All right. Should the NFL East be fearful of those Eagles? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Um, they show that they couldn't potentially claw their way out of a game out of a out of a bad situation but i mean the ravens unfortunately you know showed out to be too much for them lamar jackson right uh, prior, uh excuse me former mvp 
200 or excuse me, reigning MVP, 294 combined offense, combined offensive yards, one rushing touchdown and one touchdown through the air. And unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles just were not able to stop Lamar Jackson at all. Um, there were moments in which Philly thought they were going to win the game. Philly tried their best, absolutely, and you have to commend them for that. There was a little bit of Jalen Hurts sighting. Uh, just not sure why they wouldn't plug him in during the two-point conversion. Um, and Ray just at the end of the day, Ravens handled the, their business as they should have, as it was expected. They walk away five and one. Philly walks, walks away one four and one tie. So, no, should we fear the Eagles? Nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not at all. Okay. Okay. All right. So Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Do you think there's a real rivalry going on there? Or is that something we just created? No, it's been historically a rivalry. It just hasn't been a recent rivalry, right? If you look at the last few games, it's always been Pittsburgh. Even last year when Big Ben was out, Pittsburgh ended up winning that game. And it wasn't no different this week, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, put it on the Cleveland Browns 38-7. to uh, Cleveland moves on to 4-2. and And Pittsburgh remains undefeated. Another undefeated team, 5-0. and Um so it was complete domination from beginning to end. Baker Mayfield for the Cleveland Browns just wasn't right. Uh, the injury, the rib injury just it seemed to be really making him uncomfortable in the pocket. Not to mention that, you know, he was getting punished as well. Uh, I think, believe there was three sacks at the end of the day for the Steelers. And on the other offensive side of the ball for the Steelers, Chase Claypool continues to be a threat down the field with four receptions. And 74 uh, yards for that. With a, you know, again, those explosive plays, they, if you definitely allow the other team to make an explosive play, you will pay for it. Chase Claypool ended up rushing for a touchdown at the end of the game, uh, at the end of the day. Um, Miles Garrett, which was the Browns, or is the Browns' best defensive weapon, was contained during this game. Not stopped because he still got a, got himself a, t- uh, a sack and a tackle for a loss, but he was just contained, uh, which is what you want to do when you have someone of that caliber, a J.J. Watt, a Miles Garrett, uh, a Tech Lawrence. You want to be able to contain those guys um, because they're not someone that you can potentially stop. They're still going to you know, affect the game in one, one way or another. Uh, but the key to a low-scoring game for the Cleveland Browns is the fact that they were un- ineffective moving the chains down the field. They in third down they were one and twelve, one and twelve. That's that's ridiculous. That's unacceptable. Um, and their rushing just wasn't there either today. Usually they're very good at running the ball, just uh, not not Sunday. Okay, and if anyone else out there is an English teacher. I personally apologize. At the very beginning of that question, my husband used a double negative. Our apologies. He will not do that again. Or or will I? I don't know. Maybe. No, he lives with me. He doesn't want to do that. All right. So, moving on. Does Chicago have what it takes um, to make the playoffs this year? Man. Well, they're right now, as it stands, 5-1. and one. They uh, also handle their business against the uh, Carolina Panthers, 23-16. to 16. No one really expected Mark Davis to be this good, but at the end of the day, 
Carolina st- still ended up losing this game. Teddy Bridgewater, under lots of pressure, threw two interceptions. And Chicago, of course, their defense came to play. Uh, and, of course, also Chicago finally realizing that Mitchell Zabriskie was not their guy. That is clearly Nick Foles. And the guys, and by guys, I mean the their offensive unit or the offensive unit is now rallying around Nick Foles in order to be able to go ahead and get these wins, right? Uh, people say, well, who have they played? It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you are still having to face a professional team on the field. The ball still has to be snapped, and you still have to make the throws. So don't downplay a record just because it's who have they played. I've come to learn that kind of <laughs> recently. Don't downplay the record just because they you know, play against quote-unquote scrub teams. That's that's not it. That's not it. And I have a ton of respect for Chicago and being able to turn around and their coach as well, being able to say, enough of Mitch. He, I understand he is who he is. I don't care. I still want to be able to go ahead and coach at the end of the day because you're, what you put out on the field is really your resume should you get fired from your current job. And if you continue just to put a bad product out on the field, you're not going to get a, a coaching job or the job that you want, right? So, yeah, kudos to the Chicago Bears and that coaching staff for making those changes. Did you answer my question, then? What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I just go on and on and on and on and on and on. Do you think Chicago has what it takes to actually make it to the playoffs? Dang it. Yes okay. or no? Uh, yes. Yes, I believe so. Okay. So now, let me back up, because I don't agree with what your statement at all. Sure. I think that... Yes, you can put good players on the field. You can make great plays. But unless you're not, if you're not playing a reputable team or a team that's going to give it to you, then it's like you're practicing against a practice squad. You're playing against a practice squad, and you really don't know how far you can go or if that play is going to work or what the, the changes that the coaches made, if that's going to work because the team you're playing against is also not any good. You know what I mean? So, like... I don't know that saying that not paying attention or not worrying about who they have played. I don't know if I agree with that, but you know, I'm we won't argue on that. That's just my point. That you got yours. We'll agree to disagree. How about that? Sure. I mean, I like you, you know I could go on, but yeah, we'll move forward. Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. But um, how do you think the the Jaguars did this week? Oh, man. So, the I believe Manchu Mania is starting to wear off, right? Uh, Gardner Minshew is um, still leaving a lot to, not a, a lot out. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. He just, he's not the quarterback of the future. He, to me, he's a serviceable backup, and Ooh. that's about it. Um, that's a rough word. It, it is, but, I mean, you got to call like you see it, right? Um when you are not throwing the ball very well down the field, your wide receivers aren't getting open, and you just, I mean, it's the Detroit Lions. They beat you 34-16. to 16. The Detroit Lions ended up 2-3. to three. They came into this game 1-3 and three and 1. You're 1-5. I, I don't know. I, it's just, it, it sucks, right? Because... You like this kid. You like who he is. 
But at the end of the day, just because I like you doesn't mean that I'm going to, I don't know, get you the job that you want. Right. You have to be able to perform. Performance is everything. Likes don't win football games. Exactly. Exactly. You can get all the views on Instagram and all the likes on Facebook and all the retweets on Twitter. But at the end of the day, if you're not putting the balls in the, in the, the ball in the hands of the receivers, then, you know, we have a problem. I agree. Okay. Um, so what can we expect out of the Jets for the rest of the season? Man, they are in what's called the uh, tre- uh, tanking for Trevor. Uh, it's a it's a situation where basically if they go zero and sixteen, they get the first pick of the draft. Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback, a very good prospect coming out of Clemson, um, out of, out of Clemson University of Clemson or Clemson University. I'm not sure, but he's very good. I, I know that I've watched him play and. They're, I mean, the Jets are all around inept. This, that's just the word for it. Inept. Horrible. From the top down. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of nepotism going on there where, well, I know this guy, but he doesn't align with this guy, but this guy aligns with this guy and my views. So I'm going to go ahead and, although I know he's terrible, I'm still going to get him because he knows the other guy that aligns with my views. So I'm going to hire him. That's and a it, lot of high school stuff. It is. It is. But at the end of the day, what do they say is not what you know is... Who you know. Who you know. So So you think that the Jets at this point are wanting to lose to be able to get the first round draft pick. I believe they're They they're would rather tanking. continue to yeah. lose. Okay, but one on a football team, one person cannot make or break that team. You it, think it can? It depends on the execution, right? Because let's look at the facts. The facts are they had Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was a an all star. He was an he was a Pro Bowler for I don't know how many years while he was in Pittsburgh. So, you mean to tell me that you cannot alternate your coaching style to place this particular player in a successful situation? You is that what you're telling me? This one guy, you you just couldn't you couldn't find a, a way for him to to be successful and be productive out on the field. And from the beginning, the head coach said this is not something that I wanted. In very many words, he didn't specifically say that, but in just summarizing it all, this isn't the guy I wanted, but he's here. So let's 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 play football, right? And then you have Jamal Adams, your defensive your defensive star, uh, you know, a safety, that he actually had been requested for a trade since last year. He finally got it this year and went to Seattle. He's unfortunately injured now. But when people are saying, I want out of this situation, is because your team sucks. Okay, but that's and that's exactly what I'm saying. So the Jets tanking... But if they don't have a good team to put this first-round draft pick with, what does it matter? I think it's more of the fact that they just want the pick and the name because New York is a very big market type okay. of type of situation. It's kind of like Johnny Manziel. Remember Johnny Manziel, yes. the money man, you know, doing all this extra stuff on, on the field? Came to the Cleveland Browns and... 
absolutely, all of a sudden, everybody is a Cleveland Brown fan, right? Because of Johnny Manziel. Dude hadn't snapped a single ball in the NFL, but the hype was ridiculous that he he sold above numbers. Well, actually, he sold more jerseys than Peyton Manning that year. And he hadn't even snapped a, a, a single football. It just shows you how much hype is over reality. That's why I'm sort of skeptical on rookies when they come in and they haven't played yet. I want to be able to see performance in order for me to be able to say, okay, this guy's a real deal or mm, maybe a little bit more, you know, getting his feet wet in the NFL before we, we make assumptions and put cats in Hall of Fame. Okay. All right. So, game of the week. America's game of the week. Good Lord. Go ahead and talk to me about <laughs> it. So, very anticipated matchup of Brady versus... Aaron Rodgers, right? Um, there was a story out there that in 2013, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady went out to, I think it was lunch or dinner. They had a mandate, basically, and said, hey, you know, you want to go play some golf? Tom called Aaron. Aaron said, yeah, sure, let's play some golf, eat some dinner for sure. Hey, the GOAT calls you. What, are you going to say no? So, anyway, once they meet out on the field, and, and here's the, there's the, this is the thing that kind of bothers me. They're saying Brady versus Rodgers. No, I mean, it's not like Rodgers is covering Brady and vice versa. <laughs> it's it's Aaron Rodgers versus the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. No, no, it's quarterback versus quarterback. Who can get the most downfield? But is the other quarterback stopping one of the other quarterbacks? No. Exactly. So you can't say, people can't say X versus Y. It's X versus Z. Eh. Take the fun out of it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but let's really think about that for a second. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward. Rogers had a horrible day. He had a horrible day. I'm not sure if it was the anticipation, the jitters, the humidity down in Florida, because they played in Tampa. Um, but it was he threw for two interceptions, one which was mistiming, the other one wasn't his fault because his wide receiver ended up tipping the ball. And ball fell right into the defender's hands. And Tampa Bay, just they just did a remarkable job. No turnovers. And this is, the, this is a beautiful thing when you see a team go zero penalties for zero yards. That's, that's discipline, ladies and gentlemen. That is discipline. It's very difficult to find football teams that will have zero penalties. Uh, not only zero turnovers, but zero penalty yards. So, of course, Tommy did his thing, ended up beating the Green Bay, the Tampa Bucks, beat Green Bay uh, Packers 38-10. to uh, Green Bay moves to 4-1. and Tampa Bay, I believe, is 3-2, and but I'm not 110% sure. I really don't want to rob anybody of their wins, so don't quote me on that. But, yeah, no, it was... Uh, Highly anticipated ended up being a complete and total dud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about the 49ers. Do you think this is a resurgence of them? Ooh, uh, it's possible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on the <laughs> side of caution there and just say maybe. Um, because they beat a very capable L.A. Rams. Um, it's weird to say L.A. Rams because they've always, like I said, always been St. Louis to me. Um, so... 
San Francisco's timing, Jimmy Garoppolo out there, was absolutely great. He didn't look as uncomfortable as he did last week. And so, you know, and when you compare him to Jared Goff, Jared Goff was a big factor in the inability to be able to pass the ball. Uh, too many incompletions, but also his wide receivers weren't getting open at all either. Um, just looking down the stat sheet, looking at Robert Woods, he had 10 targets, only caught four balls. That's that's not good enough. Cooper Cup, also nine targets, three receptions. That That's not going to cut it either. And honestly, if you keep throwing it at the same guy and the same guy isn't catching the ball, at one point or another, you have to find another receiver. Either that or start running the ball and maybe, you know, sort of uh, frustrate your defense a little bit. Or the other guy's defense. But um, anyway, yeah, the, the 49ers may be coming back. I don't know. They're kind of inconsistent at this point. They haven't shown me a whole lot, uh, mostly because of injuries. But, I mean, this is a team that, let's not forget, ended up go- went going to the Super Bowl last year and uh, didn't do too bad, but also didn't win the Super Bowl. So I do expect them to make it at least to the playoffs this year. I, I don't want to... Put it past, put it past that. Okay. So, the Bills lost to the Chiefs. How'd they let that one happen? But, even more importantly, I want to know, are they going to be able to bounce back? Yeah, I I think they're going to be able to bounce back. Jared Allen, uh, you know, he's a very resilient guy. The Bills are very, you know, a very scrappy team. Um, the problem there was the fact that they couldn't stop one guy. And uh, his name was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, rookie, by the way, ran for, I believe, 180-some yards and two scores. Check this out. This cat is 5, I believe he's 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, very tiny. So a very tiny guy going against six-footers is very difficult to tackle extremely difficult and not only that but he's strong and once he gets in that open field it's game over so yeah i mean that was the i believe that was the key to the to that game was the fact that he just kept going and going and running and running and they just the bills couldn't they couldn't stop him did you go force gump on me for a sec yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that just happened, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it did. Okay. <laughs> Very raw. <laughs> are we ready? We are. Uh, are we ready? Do we have to? <laughs> oh, no The key to this game, I'm, I'm quoting, I am quoting here. It is authority and vengeance. My words, I kept saying <laughs> the whole game. Dude. Let's now get down to it. Arizona versus Dallas. I got nothing to say. You have nothing to say? Oh, come on. My my husband loves to talk. Uh, All right. So, now my first question, sure. actually for you, would actually come from um, uh, Zeke. Sure. He blames everything on him. He said he was the one that lost this game for the Cowboys. Would you agree with him? I wouldn't necessarily say that he was the reason that the Cowboys lost that game, but he was certainly a big factor of why the Cowboys lost this game. You fumbled the ball once, 
I understand we're all humans. Things are going to happen. You move on. You forget about it and just keep going forward, right? On to the next series. You're going to get the ball eventually. So what happens there? You fumble it again. And now you created basically momentum for the defense. Twice. Twice. For you. And, and not only that, but you, those turnovers ended up in points. Both times. Exactly. Yes. So I don't care if they're field goals or touchdown. They ended up in points. So let me ask you this. Now, before when we talked about the Cowboys, you you were like, their defense is trash. So although Zeke is the one that had the um, – give me my word. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm lost turnovers. for words. The turnovers. At this point, would you still blame the defense for not, at, at that point, stopping the Cardinals from scoring those touchdowns? Because, I mean – I, what was it both of them or at least I know one of them was so close that I mean it was regardless they were going to at least score yeah it was within 30 yards so would you would you still blame the defense this week or would you say okay more of that offensive line has more to do this week mm-hmm. maybe not overall just right. this week right well we also have to look at the offensive line right the offensive line is is hurt uh, the left tackle is, I believe, is out for the season. Zach Martin just went into concussion protocol. We don't know what his status is. They haven't said anything yet in regards to what's going on with him. But I'm assuming he's probably going to miss this game at least uh, to come out of concussion protocol. So when you turn the ball over on the on your own 30-yard line, you're essentially putting the defense, entire defense, back out on the field to attempt to stop the other team. So, yeah, that demoralizes your defense because, man, we just got off the field, bro. Like, we gave you, you know, this field position and you just, like, for real, just said, okay, screw it. Here's the ball. Take it over, you know, and and, and take over the game. It was just, again, it's demoralizing. And, it, yeah, I would say Zeke is a big factor as to why – this this game was the way that it is. Um, kudos to him though for taking ownership. That's I was just very respectable. Say that. Yes. And uh, ownership is is a leadership skill because it builds trust. It shows your team that hey, I understand what's on the line here. I understand that we are in this position because of me, and I'll own up to it. I'll be better. I have to be better next time. Okay. So. This this loss, do you think that's going to impact the morale of the team? It already is impacting the morale of the team. Um, between yesterday and today, uh, Jane Slater from the Star in Frisco has reported that um, players are now verbally um, expressing their discontent towards the coaching staff, saying that, they're not teaching them anything new, that they cannot make adjustments on the fly. But here's my answer to this, and this is my take on this. You're grown a man. And by A, you know what I mean. If you're listening to this, hot boys, you know what I mean. If you say that your defensive coaches cannot make changes on the fly, okay, I understand that. I respect that. But for you to sit there and say, 
my coaches haven't taught me anything. Let me ask you this. How long have you been playing football? I can tell you it's not two or three years. It's possibly been a lifetime. And for you to sit there and say, I haven't learned anything from my coaches, bro, you're at a professional level. If you're not picking up anything from your coaches, it's probably because once you get off the Zoom meeting call, you're probably going back out and playing Call of Duty or some other bullcrap like that. And and honestly, where's your what's your ownership? I mean, Zeke just went out and put himself out on the line. And for you to remain quote unquote anonymous and talk to a reporter and tell the reporter, my coaches ain't nothing in, in so many words, that's that's disgraceful, man. That's ridiculous and shows poor character. If you have something against your coach or you have certain things that you have to talk to your coach about, you keep that mess in the locker room. I'm not a pro, but at least I know that much. Wow. So that's got you a little heated. A little bit. Just a little bit. No, that's ridiculous. And, you know, we we typically don't agree on things. That's just the way our marriage is. (laughs) So... I would like to just put in another side note because I like to look at things in many different ways. What if this is something that has been brought up time and time again in the locker room? In the locker room, like this is something that we keep talking about and yet no changes are being made. The players keep telling the coaches, give us something else. This isn't working. Give us something else. This isn't working. And so this is now their outlet. Kind of like a a whistleblower a little bit. Let me put it out there that we are trying to do something more for our fans, but it's not happening. Could you see that possibly being a situation? It could be, but Would you still be as heated if that was the situation? Maybe. You would still be that upset? Yeah. You you like whistleblowers in any other section, Mm -hmm. but in football, you don't like whistleblowers. Possible whistleblowers. I'm not saying that was the situation. I'm just saying... Looking at it from another side. The thing is, it's been my experience that when people aren't necessarily happy in the situation that they're currently in, it's probably because they're they're not doing something that they're supposed to do. That's in my experience, and I can tell you that from personal experience as well. When I'm unhappy with a situation, I sometimes have to sit back and kind of look in retrospect and look at why am I feeling this way? Why am I upset? Why am I not happy about X, Y, Z? Oh, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you checking on this? Right? But I can also say from a leadership standpoint that if the feeling overall is a certain way, then as a leader, which would be the coaches in this situation, I need to stand back and one, listen to my team. And two, Make adjustments, or at least let's talk about it. Let's figure this out together because we are a team. It's not, I am the head, therefore, it is, it's the way I say that it is. Right. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, but if it is overall a majority rule type of situation, then leadership does need to step back and say, what, is, what about the coaching are y'all not liking? Or what about this coaching... Are you, you know, do you have problems with, why are you saying that you've not learned anything new? What is, you know, are you still using the playbook from 10 years ago? Because when um, vengeful and with vengeance and authority happened, bro, that was, it was wide open, wide open. It made me think, have they been watching old games and they knew exactly what they were going to run and he knew exactly where he was going to be able to go? Like, because it was just so 
just, it was beautiful. I'm sorry to say. Yeah. The just, way he came in like that, it was beautiful. <laughs> so that does make me question. Yeah. Are the coaches actually teaching them anything new? I mean, I just, and the only reason I keep going on about it is because you were so passionate about it. But I just say you always have to look at things from a different perspective and give it, you know, it's a possibility. And and either way, you shouldn't get so upset. They're not paying your check. You, they're not giving you a paycheck. Right, but my listeners, <laughs> my listeners expect something out oh, of me, that's at true. least. It's true. That's true. Okay. But, but here's the thing, right? And just to, and what you're referring to as far as, with vengeance and authority. I love she, that line. She's talking I love about that line. She's talking about Buddha Baker baking through basically the right through. He didn't break through. He uh, walked. He ran. He 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 sprinted. They, he they, sprinted. Yes, but he didn't have to break anything. They broke for him. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean they left this huge gap and Buddha Baker just took off and basically had Andy Dalton for dinner. That's just basically it. But didn't it almost look intentional? I mean, the way that the waves just opened for him. Yeah. And it was just like, come, get me. Here I am. Right. That's just a misread on the offensive line of not picking him up. Really? If you, yeah. Yeah. Because if, if you look at the replay, the way that I saw it, you will see two linemen on one defensive end. Usually that shouldn't happen. But does it happen regularly to where the Cardinals could have been like, this is probably going to happen Mm -hmm. because it happened so much Mm -hmm. with the Cowboys Mm -hmm. that when you see that happen, you go in and you get him. Yeah. So that is a coaching problem because the coaches should have been picking up on that. The Cardinals shouldn't be able to see that, know that, and it still be happening. So that just goes back to my, my point that I was making about, okay, something is going on with the, with the coaching staff. Yeah. That's just, we're going to move on. I'm just saying, yeah. I like to, I like to actually not agree with you. Right. Is that a wifey thing? It can be. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just here not to get fired. Uh, <laughs> you can't get fired from your own show. Honey. I don't know, man. <laughs> I've seen worse things happen. No, but uh, to your point, Yes. Defenses study film. Each individual uh, position studies film to open up and and identify I mean, tendencies. Right. To be ready for those type of opportunities. Exactly. And Buda Baker capitalized majorly on that one. I mean, yes, because he came in with whoo! vengeance and authority. As a defensive player, <laughs> as a it. defensive minded player, I have to give it to him. That was nice. That was beautiful. That was nice. I I love a good sack. I love when helmets roll off people's heads. And into the onto the ground and just, yeah, defensive players have a few few screws loose, but uh, pe- people that have played flag football with me know this, <laughs> and they understand. That sounded bad. Yeah. Okay. Did it? No. So yeah, that sounded bad. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> Helmets roll. Okay. So um, but that leads me to to my next question. Talking about the the wide open there. What changes at this point do the Cowboys need to make? Like, what do we need to see at this point? I think they need to come a, they need to have a come to Jesus meeting Mm. as a team, right? Mike McCarthy needs to tell Jerry Jones, hey, Jerry, take a day off, stay home. That's not going to happen. You know, go on your yacht, go to Mexico for a few days and come back. We'll see you in a little bit. And, uh, even if it doesn't happen, you still want to throw it out there for for Jared to 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 take a couple of days off. Stephen, the same thing, and just call all the players into the meeting room or in a Zoom call 
and say, okay, guys, what the proverbial F is going on? And how do we fix it? I'm open to ideas. What am I not doing at this point in time, six games into the season, that is not getting us to where we want to be, which is in the winning column? And you're saying that the coach needs to hold this meeting? Yes. Okay. Yes, because, and and sorry to stop you there, and th- this is the reason why Mike McCarthy just said, and this is this is coming from an NFL tweet uh, around the NFL. He's document he his quoting he is being quoted. Excuse me. It's important for us to have those conversations as men, one on one or as a group. Seeing that it wasn't just one individual, you know, um, expressing his discontent. I would want to have this meeting or this conversation as a group because you never want to go outside of your locker room and blurb things out to reporters because reporters are there to do what? To report, to give, to feed into the media frenzy and make sure that you're clicking on the report and that you're reading about the discontent of the Dallas Cowboys and all this other good stuff. You don't want to do that. You're already in a bad place as it is right now with your record, with the losses that you're taking and the way you're playing. The last thing you need in your organization and in your team, because whether you like it or not, you're still part of this team. It may suck and you may have a losing record, but you're still part of this. The last thing you want to do is take it out of the locker room, regardless. I agree with that, but I would disagree. Just being a mother, being a teacher, what I would disagree with is just coming from everybody like I don't know that I would have a group meeting and that's only because I feel like everybody would place the blame on the next person so at least when you have whether it be like defense meetings offense meetings or one-on-one meetings and then take it to the group so get kind of you know you're gonna have to have a couple of meetings but instead of having everybody together and everybody just putting it off on each other maybe have those smaller meetings and then bring it all together. Because the biggest thing that I tell people all the time, don't come with problems to me. If it is a problem, you need to already have a solution ready. Even if it's not the solution we go with, let's think through this together. You should have already thought about it a little bit. And don't just come to me with a bunch of problems. We are all grown, as you have said. So come to me with some solutions. Let's talk about it. And then as a huge, as a one whole team, let's try to then put it together. And and that's what I'm afraid that you can't do if you do it in one meeting big like that because you're you're not going to get enough ideas on the table. You're going to end up a lot of bickering because offense isn't going to want to take all the blame. Defense isn't going to want to take all the blame. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's just my perspective. Yeah. But you have to. You have to take some of the blame. Not all of it. Some of it. Because at the end of the day, you have three units that perform in this game. Offense, defense, and special teams. If none of the, if three of those aren't clicking, you're not winning games. Right. I agree with that. I'm just saying that I would, I would meet with those teams indirect. I mean, separately. And then bring us all together. That's just my that's just how I would do it if I was a coach. But I'm not. Um so the last thing that I want to kind of talk about unless you have more to talk about after this is what what happened with Dak? Like where is his contract negotiations? We know he made it through surgery well. Um we've all seen now the play 
over and over and over again. But what's going on with him right now? So, as it stands, I think we can say that Andy Dalton is definitely, as of right now, right? Seeing what we saw last night, uh, Andy Dalton is not the quarterback that this franchise needs, right? We may want him as a backup, and maybe he can win one or two games, but that still remains to be seen. But I think right now, as an organization that is the Dallas Cowboys, you have to sign Dak. Because if you don't sign Dak, it's going to be a very long next season for you. The end. Now, is he going to get the contract that he wants? Probably not. Why? Because you're in uncertainty at this point, right? You're banged up. Mm-hmm. You are coming out of surgery. You, We don't know how you're going to perform next season. So chances are they're still, I mean, as it stands, once again, as of today, October 20th, 2020, a week after this man's surgery, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm saying, okay, we're going to franchise tag you, right? This is going to be another contract year for you. I, I, because you still have to make business decisions. I like you. Matter of fact, I love you. But I need someone that can win games and keep this franchise afloat. And as a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, that all falls on you. Right? So, again, franchise tag. We'll see how you do. And then at that point in time, we'll reevaluate things. Figure out how the market's going. And get you not what you want but what we both need, and then move forward from there. Can I just say one thing, though? One thing. Mm, I don't like the way you said that. (laughs) I would just like to say, though, I understand what you're saying, and I I would agree that, no, this is not the quarterback that we need. You need to remain as a backup. But the Cowboys still do not have a good record, even when Dak was fine, no problems, they still, he still wasn't delivering for them. So what makes you think that, okay, just because uh, Dalton's not as good as Dak or he didn't win this game for us, although there was a lot more mess-ups than, than him, um, that they would re-sign Dak. Dak didn't pull it through either. I mean, Dak is the reason that they have, no, I'm going to say not Dak is the reason, but the their record's not great and it's not because of, of Dalton, it's because of Dak. I mean, he was the one playing is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, he was the one pretty much at the helm of that situation. So, I wouldn't necessarily blame it all on him because if you look, his body language was always, let's remain focused. We can still come back from this. He gave the team hope. With Andy Dalton last night, he gave the team anxiety. (laughs) Right? He didn't give him hope. It was just like immediate depression. Okay. Because just, I mean, interception, bad timing, and not only that, man, but he made a he made a great throw to Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup dropped the ball in the end zone. I mean, literally, in between his fingers, just dropped the ball. But he, we can't blame that on Dalton. I mean, that's not no, the quarterback's fault. You can't. So, but... Dak at least did keep the morale of the guys like, hey, we can still finish this, finish strong. And I mean, we've seen that happen. We saw, we've seen the Cowboys not start well and and end well, but 
I, so I, I get what you're saying. I didn't think about it that way at all. So, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a tricky spot right now to be in uh, between Dak, Dak Prescott's camp and the organization that is the Dallas Cowboys. Because at the end of the day, Dak Prescott, if he doesn't get signed here, he's going to get signed anywhere. Right. Anywhere else. And we would probably prefer him with the Cowboys. Exactly. Hey, you called it well with the uh, NBA um, games, Lakers and Six. So I'm going I'm to take your word on this, and we'll just wait to see what happens. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? We can't talk about the Saints this week, unfortunately. They had a bye week. Yeah, undefeated this week for sure. So... Hey, I would rather be undefeated in a bye week than end up like the Cowboys did last night. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, guys, we're still seeing a lot of uh, COVID situations uh, in the NFL. Um, the only thing I could tell you is, you know, continue washing your hands, use the face masks, social distance, avoid crowded places, you know, just be safe out there. Please, let's look out for one another. It's it's really hard times right now. But with that being said, I want to thank you all for listening in today. We went for an over a little bit over an hour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, Good so, night. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so follow us on Twitter at four underscore starters with a Z at the end. Again, that's four underscore starters. Uh, thank you again for your time. Y'all have a great week. See you next week.